Marlo, can you hear me? Marlo, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Great. Excellent. Yes, I can. Thanks.
Jim, testing, can you come through? Hello, hello, hello. You sound wonderful. All right, I'll put you on mute. We'll be ready to go. Okay. Featuring the absolute very best in all of women's athletics and HBCU sports. Tonight, we're going to start, before I even introduce my co-host, with a 30 seconds of silence. About 30 minutes ago, one of my elders or preachers at the church we received at Trinity Temple, SDA Church here in Newark, received word he had a stroke. And so we just want to have a word of silence on behalf of Elder Larry Williams.
Amen. All right. Thank you so much, audience. Thank you so much, co-host. And uh, we're going to let them start tonight. And let's say, Marlo, say hello to everybody. Hi, good evening, everyone. Glad to have you here on the show with us tonight. Hi, Jim. Hey, Dr. Bright. All righty. All right. We have Jim back with us live in the living color tonight. We have the mic working. Jim, say hello, hello to everybody. Hello, hello, Marlo. Miss you this weekend. <laughs> yeah, we want to say um, this weekend in Detroit, Michigan, uh, we celebrated Jim's 60th birthday. Jim's been my colleague and friend and brother since our first year at Fisk University. And it was such a joy to meet his family, which I've known, um, but his mom, we got to talk and hear her talk and many of the circle we grew up in Detroit with. And um, one of the things that we give a tribute to Jim, his mother said, Jim's been a scholar his whole life. But um, the biggest thing is when he said, she said, he's so proud of the father of his three adult children and the husband and the example and role model that Jim has become. And uh, I'm just as proud as a colleague, friend, college, college brother and everything else. And so Jim, Thank you for inviting myself to this tremendous occasion and continue to be the leader that you are, not just in the home, but in the community. And in his 30 year career in education and coaching, he's also been a father to hundreds, hundreds of kids. And so it's just an honor to be able to, to continue, Jim, to work the way we are together and uh, hang out with you, man, because it's been, it's been a heck of a ride. And that's just so far. All righty, here we go. Our last week for our Women of the Month. And yes, none other, you got it, Miss Aura Bell Washington. Now, <clears throat> on the tennis court, Washington was perhaps even more spectacular than she was on the basketball floor. Let's talk about her tennis. Beginning in 1929, she won seven straight national singles championships, eight in all, and part of the American Tennis Association, a league that welcomed all comers at a time when the world's top league, the United States Lawn Tennis Association, only allowed white players to compete. Aura Washington won 12 consecutive ATA doubles titles from 1925 to 1936 including nine with a partner, Lulu Ballard, and three mixed doubles titles. You know, this young lady who dominated the 1920s to the 1940s, long before Serena Williams, Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka, uh, she is actually the first African-American superstar in basketball and tennis, or about Washington, known as the queen of courts. And, uh, Truly, this five-foot legend is to be remembered and also want to make sure we continue to mention her, even if the history books don't. So, Dr. Kemp, one more time, and then we'll hear from Jim, Aura, Bell, Washington. Dr. Kemp. So glad to have uh, gotten information about Miss Aura Bell Washington. Um, thank you again, once again, for just bringing her to the forefront. Um, we really appreciate learning about her for the whole month of June. Um, and just another little known Black history 
fact is um, in Philadelphia, they actually have a historical marker about her, um, which reads an African-American athlete, Miss Ora Washington, African-American athlete who dominated black women's tennis from 1929 to 1937. She won eight national single titles from American Tennis Association, start with Philadelphia Tribune women's basketball team from 1932 to 1942 and played and taught in Philadelphia at the YWCA. So thank you so much, Dr. B, again, for once again bringing her to the forefront. We really appreciate learning about Miss Aura Washington. Thank you so much. Jim, Aura, Bell, Washington. Aura, I, this month, I, it's been a joy to learn about Aura Bell Washington because I knew nothing about her. And she was a two sports star in the Hall of Fame and both. It's just heartwarming to hear. And I love hearing, I love learning about things that I don't know anything about and I can educate myself on. So thanks again, Cliff, for your uh, woman of the month, woman athlete of the month. You got it. Aura, Bell, Washington. Thank you, Jim. Now, as usual, let me give you a hint. Next month, WNBA is in season. But next month, we have a young lady that no one talks about in basketball. Before that was Cheryl Swoops, Miller. Before there was Lynette Woodard. There's a young lady named Pearl Moore, okay? Pearl Moore played at Francis Lorian, Francis Marion University. Pearl Moore, this is before the NCAA sanctions and they were playing um, a different league, but Pearl Moore is one of the few players who scored over 4,000 points in her college career. She was inducted into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame in 2021. She averaged 30.6 points for her career at Francis Marion University. When we start talking about this hoopster, and she's still living, we will take basketball a different perspective. And let's remember, she scored these points when there was no three-point line, okay? Pearl Moore, everybody look it up. We're going to be talking about her for the month of July. I want to give her a clap now. Her story is outstanding. Outstanding, yes. Marlo, have you ever heard of me? I have not heard of Miss Pearl Moore. Another, <laughs> another hidden gem. You oh, know, yes. that we uh, have to talk about and discuss for the month of July. So thank you so much once again. I'm excited to learn about her too. She could ball it. She could ball it. Jim, you ever heard about Pearl Moore? Myself. When you said uh, Pearl, I thought you were going in a different direction after seeing it. <laughs> so I'll be I'll be excited oh, oh, oh. to learn about Pearl Moore. <laughs> I can only say. Yeah, phenomenal. She was phenomenal and, and, and just went into the Hall of Fame in 2021. And um, Kind of like Lucia Harris. People don't talk, you know, they don't talk about her much. But uh, now I remember hearing about Lucia Harris mm -hmm. back in the day. 
mm-hmm. but Pearl Moore and you know Carol Blazkowski. But Pearl Moore is going to be is going to be something I, new to me. I'm excited to learn about. Absolutely. All right, Pearl Moore. We're looking forward to it. Now, history being made in the NBA in a very unique way. In the NBA's G League, Lindsey Harding has become the first African American female to become a head coach of the Stockton Kings in the NBA's G League this year. She's a former WNBA player, played for the Minnesota Lynx, the Mystics, Atlanta Dream, the Sparks, and the Liberty. And so it is just exciting. Uh, she was also played a college career at Duke University. And as a freshman in 2002 to 2003, she was an all ACC freshman team player. So she has making history in the NBA's G League She has become the first African-American female to lead a G League team. Dr. Kemp, what do you think? Progress. What do you think? That's awesome. That is wonderful. Um, Hold on, you got to go again. Your, Your mic is breaking up or something. She can you hear me now? Is yes, that better? Yeah. I was just saying that um, I think is wonderful because with her experience as a player, you know, um, she can definitely uh, give them some insight, uh, their team's insight and the players' insight on, you know, with her coaching. And um, I think it's wonderful. I think it's amazing. Um, and hopefully, she, I know she's going to bring something to their team, to their to the players there in the G League. And uh, also, she. As a player for Duke, she also had her own jersey retired. So that's definitely something to, you know, look up to. So I think it's great. I'm, I'm excited to see what she does with their with their league, with their team. Yeah. Becky Hammond was the first where she coached in the NBA. Jim and Marla corrected. And then there's uh, Witherspoon, who's coaching down in the Pelicans right now, New Orleans. But no one's a head coach. And definitely in, in the G League. So, uh, and that leads to court. Jim, I believe we have a player draft this year for the G League. We'll, we'll talk about that in the NBA section. Jim, what do you think? Well, I like you, like you were stating there, I believe she is the first full time coach. Okay. That is, that is a, a first woman full time coach of a men's professional league wow. because I believe that. The first name you was coaching the Las Vegas Aces right now, Becky Hammond. Yeah, she was an assistant, and I believe she might have coached one game when Pop got thrown out. Mm. But this is a you know this is not a uh, interim or anything else. This is a full time head coach, and I'm I'm glad for it finally happened. Oh yeah, yeah. So we're looking forward to keep up with that story. Uh, I do believe before long. She will produce a player and go from the G League to the W, I mean, to the NBA. And uh, big things, big things are going to happen. They're just going to continue to happen. Now, we have another young lady, as we've been talking about big time power players in sport. Her name is Gina Scott. Okay. Gina Scott. She's the vice president of partner services. Gina Scott represents thousands of players in their individual right. And help pass the NFL Player Association's historic commercial agreement 
just a few years ago before COVID. Now, she's been working with the NFL Players Association representing players for 13 or 14 years. But in that agreement, collective bargain agreement, she um, made sure that players' individual rights were preserved and their autonomy so things could continue to work in their best interest. As the vice president of partner services for the NFL Players Association, she was the only woman in the room throughout its commercial agreement, which took nearly two years to negotiate. That agreement basically allowed players to continue to have a lot of control in generating their income away from football, endorsements and other things where owners or ownership at times wanted to infringe upon. So she's big time. She's big time. Miss Gina Scott, what do you think? Have you heard about her? Or what do you think, Dr. Kemp? Another woman, African-American, on the inside that we don't know about that's doing big things. Dr. Kemp? She definitely is doing big things. Nope, I haven't, I hadn't heard about her. Um, you know, of course I heard about the uh, the agreement and, you know, knew about the Players Association, but in terms of, you know, who's who's working behind the scenes, you know, definitely have not heard from her. So, I mean, I'm excited um, and, you know, it's, it's awesome that she is, um, you know, working on behalf of the players, making sure that they are being treated fairly um, and, you know, and, and keeping the owners, you know, on their toes and keeping everything, you know, um, straight for the players themselves. So way to go, um, Ms. Gina Scott. Yes, and we're, we're gonna continue to highlight uh, all the women who are doing such big things, doing big things business-wise in the area of sports. We wanna welcome this Hall of Famer, Renee Spencer, who's joined us tonight on the line. Always good to see you. Um, one more, Jim, I'm gonna come to you uh, to start us off. This is a tough one, or at least an interesting one. Raleigh Gaines, a former NCAA swimmer, um, big time athlete, has descended on Capitol Hill to <clears throat> oppose the federal government's efforts to include transgender athletes in women's sports. And this was just a week after the past the anniversary of the passage of Title IX. It's a big thing. Should transgender women be allowed to compete? in women's sports. Jim, then I'll come back to you, Marlo. Oh boy. Yeah. I think, this is just me, yeah. that when you have, I believe the young lady who was swimming for an Ivy League school, who swam the year before as a man and was a average swimmer, but then set record. Was it Leah Thomas? Yeah, yeah. And then set records in women's mm -hmm. swimming. I, 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 I just, I, I phew, <laughs> think that that's a little bit of an unfair advantage. Mm -hmm. Now, and you know, we have on the flip side, we have some African American or African women who are who were born women but have high testosterone that are not, that are banned from the Olympics because of their high, high testosterone, which occurs naturally with them. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I don't know. Marlo, I'm going to let Dr. Kim touch that no, one. I'll, I'll touch it a little bit too. 
That's cute. Yeah, it's um, mm, I'm like Jim. I'm you know, he's just kind of like wow. It's um, what can you say? It's it's. I mean, on one, on one hand, you don't really blame her because you feel like, or she may feel. I don't know how she feels, but you would think, you know, that uh, they the transgender athletes, you know, may have a um, more of a, uh, a you know, a, a, what's the word? Advantage. Yeah, an advantage, um, giving probably their hormone levels um, versus, um, you know, non-transgender athletes. But again, who's to say? So um, I guess they they don't want to go into any type of, you know, competition mm -hmm. where they feel like, you know, that they are, you know, being, um, you know, that someone has a leg up on them, you know, going into a competition. So they just want to make sure she probably wants to make sure that, you know, there's a level playing field for everyone. So well, that's, that's a good one. Yeah, well, the argument is that that even though the gender change surgically or however you do it, the hormonal, the muscular, and those changes are an advantage. And I tend to agree with her. So uh, this is another one that's going to be on the table for a while. But it's not going away, so we'll have to deal with it. We're going to go to commercial, and then we'll come right back. About 60 seconds. All right, now. Welcome back to another version of Dr. Cliff Burton's Friends featuring the absolute very best in all of women's athletics and HBCU sports. Now, time to turn our attention to the WNBA. Let's talk All-Star, and then we'll talk about the season. The All-Stars All -Stars have been voted in, and um, the game will be played July 15th in Las Vegas. And let me just tell you who some of those All-Stars are. First of all, starting as a rookie, Aaliyah Boston of Indiana. Let's get I love it. Give her a hand. Aaliyah Boston's coming in right where she picked off in college, picked off or left off in college. Okay. Aaliyah Boston is doing it. She's her team is five and eight. Last year they didn't win the five games the whole season. And yet at this point they are five and eight. I think they play against the uh Las Vegas Aces tonight. But Aaliyah Boston, one of those players. Now, here are two captains on opposite teams. Asia Wilson from Vegas, Brianna Stewart, who's tearing the league up. Brittany Griner, yes, back in the All-Star game. So two, Sabali, uh, Aaliyah Boston. All of those will be starting. Nika Amumike from Los Angeles also will be starting on one of the teams. And then there's Alyssa Thomas, Elena Deladani, 
Lafisa Cardia back. She was sat out last year, had a baby, but she's back to Minnesota, all squad. Dewana Bonner, but I believe she just tore her Achilles tendon. So we'll see what happens there. Jackie Young, Las Vegas, ace, tearing it up this year. She'll be a starter. Jewel Lloyd, Seattle, who should be a starter. Arike Angumbawale from Dallas, should be a starter. Chelsea Gray threw a dynamic behind the back, back pass, Magic Johnson style the other night, should be a starter from Las Vegas. And then there's Kelsey Plum, Alicia Gray, Kalia Cooper, Sabrina Ionescu from New York, Diana Taurasi, and Kelsey Mitchell. So that's what's going to round out <clears throat> our players this year for the WNBA All-Star Game. And I think it's going to be a great, great game this year. So, um, again, it's July 15th in Las Vegas. Now, let's see what our teams are doing. Connecticut Sun in the Eastern Conference, they're leading 12 and 3. They're ahead of the Liberty, 9 and 3. The Mystics, 8 and 5. Atlanta Dream, 5 and 7. Indiana Fever, 5 and 8. Much better than last year, Chicago Sky, they're 5 and 9. In the Western Conference, Las Vegas Aces, 12 and 1. Los Angeles Sparks, 7 and 7. Dallas Wings, 6 and 8. Minnesota Lynx, 4 and 9. Seattle Storm, 4 and 9. Phoenix Mercury, they're pulling up the rear, 2 and 10. And they just had to fire their coach, which is interesting because she was without Brittany last year and just trying to put it all together this year. But they said 2 and 10 is too slow, so they just released their coach. Dr. Kip, what do you think? You think the kid coach should be getting a little longer? Of course. Well, you know. Go ahead, I'll meet Jim. Okay. Yeah, of course. You know, I think like you said, she's just, they, they're just trying to, you know, put all the pieces back together, you know, right now and um, at least wait till the end of the season, you know, <laughs> if you, you know, then change and then change, uh, you know, change captains. But um, yeah, so yeah, they could at least wait it a little. I think they should have waited, waited at least a little bit. You know, you just never know because some teams, you know, they come out after the all-star game, you know, and you just never know what may happen. So yeah, I think that was a little premature. And the still without Skylar Diggins. Uh, Jim, what do you think about that situation? Yeah. Well, you have two all-stars in Griner and Tarasi. You have uh, Skylar Diggins is still out. And then there's another player that I think had a season-ending injury as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes somebody had – you had to shake it up, and usually it's the coach. Yeah, unfortunately. Because even in the WNBA, it's easier to uh, hire one coach than 12 players. Yep. And I'm not saying she's deserving, but unfortunately, that's the way it goes. In pro sports, absolutely, absolutely. All right, let's talk about some of our stat leaders. Jewel Lloyd leading the league right now, 25.4 points a game. Second leading scorer, scorer Brianna Stewart at 22.5. Arika Angumbawale from Dallas, 22.4. So good to see Nafisa Kalia, Minnesota, 20.9. And Anika Angumbike. From Los Angeles, 20.2 points a game. Rebounding, Alyssa Thomas from Connecticut, 10.5. Brianna Stewart, 10.4 a game. Sabu Sabali from Dallas, 9.9. Melissa Smith from Indiana, 9.9. And Nika Amwumike from Los Angeles, the All-Star, 9.7 points a game. 
Last column for the night, blocks. You know who it is, Brittany Griner, averaging 2.4 blocks a game. Asia Wilson, 2.2 points a game. Ezzy Mogbegor from Seattle, 2.1. And look, Brianna Stewart, a third category leader. She's averaging 1.8. And Alana Smith from Chicago, 1.6. So things are revving up. They're getting ready. All-star game. And uh, halfway through the season, July 15th. Now, before we leave this section, one more thing. Deion Sanders had his surgery, and it wasn't amputation of his foot. He ended up having a clot in his leg. So uh, they say his girlfriend, Tracy Edmonds, said that his, uh, his fiance, I guess, the clot has been removed, and the circulation is going well. They don't have to amputate any more toes or the left foot. And Dion said he is ready to go, get ready for the practice, for practice. What do you hear about it, Marlo? And then we'll go Jim. Oh, Jim, then Marlo. Talk to me about that, Jim. Prime time. Well, I I'm happy that he's doing better. But Cliff, you're going to have to explain to us, how do you remove a blood clot? Do you use blood thinner or you actually go in and surgically remove it? How's that done? Yeah, they have two ways. They can go in with blood thinner, but they also sometimes can put, it's like a little wiring through one of your uh, arteries or veins, and they can go in and, and pull it. But usually they can dissolve it with a blood thinner. And they use different ones depending on where that clot is. I understand this one was in his upper leg, upper thigh. So they want to stay on top of it, and I'm sure they just dissolved it out. Yeah. Probably. Uh, you know, at least he didn't have to get the toe, the foot amputated as they originally thought, you know? That's good. Yeah, yeah. That he doesn't have to get his foot amputated. Yeah. Dr. Kemp, your thoughts? Prime time. Yeah, I'm just glad that everything, you know, went well so far. And um, it wasn't, you know, any type of amputation like you guys just mentioned. And I just hope that he understands the seriousness of this uh, i'm pretty sure he does but you know i hope he doesn't you know try to continuously rushed you know rush back um and and try to you know get back to you know just work and business as usual and just kind of take it easy and ease his way you know into um his job and what he has to do i mean everybody knows what he's what he can do he's a great coach you know and everything but um you know when it comes to your health that's definitely more important so mm -hmm. we wish him well yeah they open up against tcu uh early september so um We'll see how it goes. Before we go to break, Pamela Renee, a qualifying broker, founder, CEO, 2870 Peach Street Road, Suite 992, Atlanta, Georgia, 30205, phone number 404-964-4294. And it's Pamela, P-A-M-E-L-A, at P-R-E-N-E, estates.com. If you're looking in the Atlanta area, residential, commercial, land, builder, developer, and investor services, you can check out Pam. She can get it done for you. We'll be back in approximately one minute.
Welcome back. Dr. Clifton Burton Friends featuring the absolute very best in all of women's athletics and HBCU sports. Before we get started with some of our men's sports tonight, so I want to thank our audience. Our show, Dr. Clifton Burton Friends, is reaching some milestones. We've just reached the 50 hours of live broadcast streaming. And um, that is a, a, a milestone. We just started in November that our show is growing. So continue to spread the word. And we want to thank you for that. We'll take it for granted. The second thing we had is a milestone is not just the people who listen on our shows when we're live, but really tells how good you're doing or progress is how many shows are downloaded. And we have now reached the 525 download mark this November 27th. Uh, we thought it would take till December but because of you and those who are listening, we'll continue to spread the word. Uh, we want to thank you. Thank you for all your support. We're about to hit our first full season in a month of coverage. Last year we came on the air November 27th. We were on another show, Mark Jones and Friends. But this is the first time we've been able to cover the whole year of HBCU sports, starting with football, volleyball, fall cross country, and go all the way through a whole year. So we want to say, get ready, continue to spread the word, and uh, we're going to continue to try to bring it to you. Jim? Mm -hmm. All right, turn it over. Men's sports league, Jim. Well, in the NBA draft, which was held Thursday, it was no surprise that Victor Wimbiama went number one to San Antonio Spurs. Antioch's finest, you know, I worked in Antioch for 15 years, so Brandon Miller was drafted number two and went to the Charlotte Hornets, who I think will make a good pairing with the uh, LaMelo Ball in Charlotte. Number three, Scoot Henderson went out to Portland, where, you know, he will team with Damon Lillard. And rounding out the top five, Amen. And as Sir Thompson, the brothers from Overtime Elite, mm -hmm. went to Houston, amen, and as Sir went to the Pistons. So the draft, there were no HBCU players drafted. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard of any signings in the free agent, not free agent, but the uh, undrafted players. But I think the night went fairly well, and you, you're seeing a trend. So your college players aren't the first players drafted a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Out of that top five, only one went to college, and that would be Brandon Miller for a year at Alabama. When Biama played in the French Pro Leagues for a couple of years, the uh, Twins, a man and a sir, played in overtime elite, and Scoop Henderson played in the G, G, G League elite team. So a lot of your top players, and I think over half of the players in the top 12 next year are going to be rumored to be coming from overtime elite, the Australian League, and the G, G League Ignite. So going to college. Yes. Before you move on, um, what can I can you just share a light on what's the overtime elite? Is that um, is that like a 
AAU type of team or I'm not familiar with the over the time. Sure. I'm trying to get a, a hold on what it is, but they're housed in Atlanta. And I think it is an option. The Thompson twins played there for two years. I believe the first, you know, the last year of high school they played there. It's basically like a traveling. Kind of like an AAU team squad or something. Yeah, like an AAU t- team on a higher level. Got it. Okay. Okay, that's helpful. Thank you. Next week I'll do some research on it and come back with even more information on it. Jim, how good is Brandon Miller? I mean, he can do it all. Uh, I think out of all of them, including Victor, I mean, Victor's tall and full of weight and skill, but Brandon Miller is going to come in and be impact right away. He, he can do it all. I believe so. I mean, I'm still a little bit leery about Wimbiama's height. Mm-hmm. You know, I see Ralph Sampson. I see uh, the young man from Ohio State that went out to uh, Portland. I see some Sam Bowie, Bill Walton, um, one more player, Chet Holmgren. I see a lot of that, and they were injury-prone with your feet. Yao Ming. Yeah. So I, I, I hope nothing but the best for the young man, but I'm a little bit leery about that height and the pressure he's going to put on his body, even though – you know, he can dunk on his tippy toes, but still jumping <laughs> is going to take something off of his knees and legs. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. What about NBA trades that are coming up? NBA trades. Well, we had one today. John Collins of the Atlanta Hawks was sent to the Utah Jazz for Rudy Gay and a second round pick. Rudy Gay is still in the league? Yes, Rudy Gay is still in the league. All right. All right. Now, you know, the Hawks wanted to shed some salary. I don't know. I don't want to put any rumors out there. I don't know how long, how how well that Collins and Trey Young got along. Mm-hmm. But Collins is John Collins has been on the trading block for two years. I think you have an underwhelming, like you said, is Rudy Gay still in the league and a second-round pick? I think that was an under, underwhelming haul for John Collins. Mm. Now, you've got Kristaps Porzingis is going to the Boston Celtics. This is his fourth team, and he's only 28 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, they sent out Marcus Smart. Mm. To Memphis. Now, interesting side note there. I hope that Marcus Smart's no nonsense attitude will help John Morant. Right. right. And I'm uh, I'm thinking that might have been why they made that trade to bring him a veteran mentor, this hard nose. What? And so, you know, Bradley Beal going to the Phoenix Suns. I don't. I don't know. You have a team, well, well, four guys making about forty million apiece, right? And you can't, you know, you had to veterans minimum to sign players. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to work, especially when you look at Kevin Durant is injury prone. 
Beal has had his days days with injuries, and Devin Booker can be injury prone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now they traded away Chris Paul, Golden State, to first Washington. And then Washington turned around and flipped him for Jordan Poole and sending him to Golden State. I think, you know, Jordan Poole will be free of the Draymond drama. Mm-hmm. He averaged 20 points last year in Washington. And I know Kyle Kuzma has re- uh, rejected his uh, player option, so he's going to be a free agent. So Jordan Poole might be able to put up 25 points. Yeah, he's black. Yeah, he's black. And, you know, I I think that war on him, you get hit by a teammate like that. Yeah. And it's public. I mean, we all know that because they talk about Steve Kerr was hit by Michael Jordan. You know, Bill Lambeer was hit by Isaiah Thomas. But, you know, it wasn't reported like it is now where you actually see a picture of it. So I think that played out. And I, I don't know. Golden State's got some issues. And it's, so you know, Paul, still, Golden State, that's what you're saying. For the time being, there's still rumors that he's going to end up in L.A. Mm-hmm. With the Clippers or the Lakers? The Lakers. <laughs> Jeff, oh, what about the Clippers? He's been there, done that. Jeff, what, about, what about the Pelicans? Um, you think they're going to get rid of Zion Williamson or are they going to end up stuck with him? I'm glad you brought that up because that brings up another interesting point. You mentioned Teresa Weatherspoon. Yeah. She is no longer with New Orleans because she worked real well with Zion, but David Griffin, the GM, does not really get along with Zion. He saw that as a threat. Really? And he fired her. Yes. And this has not made Zion happy, so, you know, stay tuned for that. Because mm-hmm. I think this offseason will be filled with a lot of trades as teams try to match Phoenix with that super team. Mm-hmm. Thank God they don't have a portal. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, a couple yeah. more players, Jim. I have some questions about uh, Paul George. And Kawhi Leonard, do you think the Clippers will make a move and get rid of them, one of them? Because they, they were supposed to turn it around. This is their fourth year, and it doesn't seem like they're ever uh, eligible to play. They hurt or sitting out. Do you think the Clippers will make a move with either one of those two? Well, let's be realistic. What could you get for Kawhi Leonard <coughs> at this point? I don't know much. Supposedly, the Clippers shopped Paul George, who I like as a player and as a low-key leader, to the Knicks for, uh, I think they were talking about Julius Randle. But again, the Knicks without, you know, they let go Scott Perry, their GM, and now you've got World Wide West and Leon Rose running the ship. I think they'll go back to those days where the Knicks had all those all-stars and no playoff appearances. Mm. So you mm. have to be very careful about building a team. And they're always talking about giving up the Grimes, the Quickleys, yeah. the OB Toppins. Even the R.J. Barrett, I've heard, has been rumored in some of these trades. And that's the young heart of that team. I agree with you. 
Because you, you see when you get to the playoffs that a lot of stuff that Julius Randle does in the regular season, you go to stop. And in the two playoff series, the two playoff years that he's played in, he hadn't looked as good as he does in the regular season. Yeah. You always look to stop that number one option, and they do. Mm-hmm. And he still doesn't want to use that other hand, and that becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. Now, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I would keep Paul George. And there's even talk about not not trading Kawhi, but forcing him to retire, buying him out. Because he just sits out at the other game, you know, as a champion. Mm-hmm. He, you know, because I understand that he even when he was with Pop, he had that arthritic knee, I believe it was, mm-hmm. and that will cause him problems. And they were doing load management then, but he's just straight out missing portions of the season, and he, and he ended the year in the playoffs hurt, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Jeff, I'm really surprised. I'm let really me surprised. ask this before we go to break. Keep NFL uh, training camp updates. What do you see in some of our camps? Well, you've got DeAndre Hopkins still out there. Mm-hmm. Don't be surprised if teams wave some players to try to get him. Mm-hmm. Because right now he's talking to Tennessee and somebody else. And, that, you know, I think he wants to play for a winner. So, you know, don't be surprised if some, if some interesting names fall. And we also have the saga of uh, Jordan Poyer, mm-hmm. Miami Dolphins safety, who was having a charity event to raise money for a, to a hospital in Miami. But he happened to hold it at the uh, Trump golf course on Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> and there were a lot of sponsors last minute that dropped out of that. <laughs> now, on Drop the Mic today, from six uh-huh. to seven during the weekdays on WFDF, we talked yeah. about that and the fact that when you're holding a charity event, you you know, and I use this as an example. I would not use anything that's affiliated with Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I would not use anything associated with Joe Biden because you want to maximize your monetary potential, and you don't want to in these in this day and age. Anytime you throw out Democrat or Republican, you're always going to have some people that have a, that have a problem with it, mm-hmm. and no one should have a problem with raising money for a charity. Yeah. Jim, Especially a hospital. Yeah. What have you heard about the situation with the uh, Tyreek Hill? Have you heard about that? The receiver? Some incident he had? Maybe I've heard he was he was involved in a uh, was it a beating? Yeah. Uh, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that recently <laughs> As is a couple of days ago, they dropped the charges on him. Mm-hmm. Not on the not on the incident as a whole, but just his involvement. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's something to stay tuned about. Yeah. You know, I I always say, and this is just me, NFL players shouldn't have an off off season. It seems like they have too long of an off season. Either trouble finds them or they, they find trouble. I don't know. But uh 
I just like to keep playing football because it's always something when it comes to NFL players in the offseason. Even more so than basketball or baseball players in the offseason. NFL players do some stuff, man. And, well, uh, NFL like players that. have a longer offseason, too. Huh? They have about six, seven months offseason. Yeah. Because they're in season from September to early January. So they got a long time to get in trouble. But a lot of these instances with NFL players or athletes in general end up being a lot of talk. And then when it gets to trial, it's either the chart, the people filing the charges either drop them because they've been paid off or just don't show up to court. So even and, and and bringing back that and and I'll let us go in a minute about Brandon Miller, the young man from uh, Alabama. If you remember, he was involved. Well, he was involved in a shooting, which resulted of the killing of a mother of a five-year-old child. When it first was brought out, you know, I heard on one account that Brandon Miller shot somebody. Mm-hmm. Then you find out, no, he didn't shot somebody. He just gave the gun to somebody. Mm-hmm. Then you find out that he didn't know that the gun was in his car, and they just told him to come back. He had to get something, and he got the gun out of the car. Mm-hmm. So to speed it up, Brandon Miller was exonerated of all charges. His teammate and his teammate's friend are on trial for murder. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when you get that first inkling of an incident it's not as it's not at all what it seems to be yeah and you have a big name there that you that name comes out rather than the other ones and i you know it's unfortunate mm-hmm. we'll take a minute break we'll be right back a minute break we'll be right back Dr. Cliff Burton Friends featuring the absolute very best in all of HBC sports and women's athletics. Awesome. That's what Renee said tonight in the chat. Wonderful. We also have somebody else. Crazy astronomy. Hey, what's up? You guys doing okay? Thanks so much in the chat. Listen, we want you to put your thoughts in the chat. Uh, this time of year, we get to talk about different subjects. And as we know, sports transcends life and teaches us lessons of life that we sometimes wouldn't get. And some of these incidents have happened in the past years that literally changed the world. One first incident, we wouldn't call them, well, we may call them tragedies. November 7, 1991, Irvin Magic Johnson, a 13-year veteran, five-time NBA champion, steps up to the microphone and announces that he has attained the HIV virus. Now, this is before they had all these medicines. And later on, we'll become a speaker on George Bush's cabinet and in some ways educated the world about 
HIV virus and is living a healthy life. And I just want to get your comments, if you remember, if you're old as I am, about what that effect had on you when Urban Magic Johnson announced he had HIV in 1991, 30 years ago. Dr. Kemp, then we'll come to you, Jim, and everybody else, please type in the chat. Dr. Kemp? Um, I, I remember that. First, I just wanted to go back just to thank Jim for bringing up that, uh, what ha whatever happened with the case with Brandon Miller. Um, because like you said, you really just didn't hear what happened, um, you know, with the case. So thanks for bringing that up, Jim. But I remember when, um, when, uh, Magic Johnson, um, actually made that announcement and I just, I really just thought that that was the end. I thought he was going to, you know, pretty much die. Um, because like you said, they didn't have a lot of medication out there at the time, um, that was actually helping um, patients, you know, with the virus. Um, and um, I'm just really happy now, you know, that he's doing a lot better. There's more uh, medications that's out there that's helping patients uh, with the virus. And But I remember and I, I just thought like, wow, he's like, how did that happen? So it, it, I, I remember that announcement. Jim? Mm -hmm. yep. Well, I I remember that because I was coming back from a basketball game and I heard Magic had retired. Mm -hmm. And I think the next day he came out was saying that he had attained the HIV virus. And at that time, as Marlo said, HIV slash AIDS was a, was basically a death, death sentence, like COVID was in the early or in the early days of COVID. And it was also considered to be a gay disease. And Magic Johnson was a, for lack of a better word, he was a playboy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people, he was able to educate and let people know about AIDS, how not to get it, what to do. He kept himself in good shape. And right now, I believe that will be because the third. I got married in '91, so 32 years later, I don't think he has a trace of uh, of the HIV virus in his body. Right. They say it's an undetectable viral load, and of course, he credits uh, his wife um, for sticking with it the whole time. And mm -hmm. um, you know, people say, "Well, he lived just because he was a star," but hey. Rock Hudson, Easy e the rapper, others did not. So Magic was blessed by the man upstairs, but also mm -hmm. followed the regime of everything they asked him to do. And and, and he credits Cookie Johnson uh, by standing by his side, the reason that he's alive today. So, Because he had um, only been married. Yep. I remember because he's married the week after me. He'd only been married uh, less than two months. Yeah. When that announcement came, now, he's known Cookie for years, but he had only been married for less than two months. Yeah, the, and go ahead, Jim. He did not. It was not transmitted to any of his kids, which is yeah. another blessing. Oh, or his wife, or Cookie as well. Yeah, she was pregnant with Andre, his son, and he didn't get yeah. it. You're right. So, hey, Magic Johnson, uh, educating the world, and uh, and the treatments are better, and so, you know. That was an incident. Let's bring up another one. I think this one touched at the core of anybody and everybody 
1986, you have the one player that many say would have challenged Michael Jordan. He came out of Maryland, drafted number two, I believe, by the Boston Celtics. And uh, celebrating the night of the draft, or the night after the draft, I can't remember which one, he had uh, celebrated with alcohol, they say, and cocaine found his system. And they say he had never been known to use it before. But the death of Lenny Bias and how it affected the education of the drugs, of what it could do, and the imprint that it left on the nation. Um, if you open up to remember the Lenny Bias situation, uh, Jim, I'll let you go, then Dr. Kemp, what are your thoughts of how that affected uh, the whole education of drugs in the whole country? Lenny Bias, 1986. Well, Cliff, if you remember, we used to watch Lenny Bias in college. Yeah. And some of his battles with Jordan, he would give Jordan everything he could handle and then some. Yeah. yeah. He was a great player. And he, I, I heard recently that Bird said had Lenny Bias lived, he would have retired in 88. Mm. And if you think about that, that would have been, Boston would have won probably at least three more titles. <clears throat> yeah. That would have been the perfect transition. Yeah, the Lakers, that. the Lakers would have beat them. They were rivalries, but if they'd have got Lenny, the Lakers would have beat them again. No, mm, I, uh, that eighty. That eight, well, they beat him in eighty-five, and then they drafted him. But 86. that eighty-six, that eighty-seven Laker team, and the eighty-eight team, that would have been a good series. I'll just say that. But he brought that athleticism to the to the Celtics, who were already fundamental. Yeah. I was a Lakers fan. Listen. But I looked at the TV and hung it up when he drafted him. But uh, Red Auerbach was the greatest Red Auerbach was genius. Yeah. yeah. Because he drafted Bird the year before yeah. he played Magic in the finals. Mm -hmm. They had some obscure rule that he, since he'd been in college four years, he could draft him, mm -hmm. let him play, and then come to the Celtics. Yeah. Marlo? So, you know. Marlo? Do you remember the Lenny Bias situation? What are your thoughts? I did. I remember hearing about that. I mean, I didn't follow it like closely, but mm -hmm. at the time I do remember, you know, seeing um, or even watching him play, but just seeing, you know, how good of a player that he was mm -hmm. um, at the time. And it was just, you know, tragic <coughs> when that happened to him. Um, and, you know, once again, you're just like, how, how could this happen? How could this happen, you know, to some to such a great athlete? Um, and it was just it was just really, really sad. Um, and I I'm glad that you brought that up, that he was um, drafted to the Celtics. And um, boy, it would just would be, you know, just great just to see like what would have been, mm -hmm. you know, had he lived. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, his mother, <clears throat> Dr. Lyalise Bias, a year after burying Lynn's son, her other son, was shot in a drive-by drug deal in the Maryland area. And so Dr. Bias also had to deal with that, her mother. And she went on a national campaign against drugs and gun violence. And, and we're still to this day continuing to keep her in our prayers. Nothing can erase that, losing those kind of children. Um, last one, and I always thought that
that this was the biggest tragedy in at least college sports, if not all of sports. And that is the Penn State situation with Jerry Sandusky under legendary coach Joe Paterno. I thought Penn State image, I thought Penn State football, and I thought everything about Penn State would never recover. And uh, believe it or not, their crisis management and image team has done a job, but that was one of the saddest downfalls in all of sports and definitely college sports. Uh, Jim, your thoughts on that situation with Jerry Sandusky? Well, Cliff, I always remember this. Mm -hmm. Joe Paterno was going for a coaching record of Eddie Robinson. Mm -hmm. They let him coach until he beat Eddie Robinson's record by one game, and then the scandal broke. Mm. So I've always thought that, you know, even though Penn State has done a good job of cleaning that up, that they should be held culp should be held culpable too because they only brought it out after they had attained some fame to their situation you know i know they say sandusky told the police mm -hmm. and his his uh his higher up which i guess was his ad they were fired the president was fired they, they basically cleaned house but it's it's a tragedy for the young men that had to suffer through that yeah and for our listeners listeners it was a case of a of, of raping of children by the football staff at legendary Penn State football program. And by the way, it was one of the dichotomy because Joe Paterno had coached 60 years and people that don't know that Penn State football program, they graduated 88% of their football players. And I've known some who went there that Joe was always known as a man of honor and but somewhere yeah. in the staff, this thing crept up. And it's a shame. It took his statue down, and forever the legacy of Joe Paterno will always be attached to this scandal. And uh, Joe has done so many great things, but that's 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 the way it crumbles. Dr. Kemp, what are your thoughts on this? The Penn State scandal, I always thought was the biggest downfall in football, in, in sports. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I actually forgot about this until mm -hmm. you, um, you know, just brought it up again and was it back in 2011 is that yeah, how far like that. yeah wow i mean it doesn't it seemed like it just happened you know just a few years ago i can't believe it's been that long but yes that was definitely a, tra a tragic and tragic tragedy all the way around from coaches to i'm sorry let me start over tragedy from the you know uh, people that it happened to mm -hmm. and then um you know, from the top all the way down. So, um, yeah. sad. Yes. Well, we have some more. We don't have time tonight. I said this time of year we get to talk more into things such as prominent women in sports. We have another month we'll be right back at it, full force, HBCUs, women's sports. It slows up a little this time of year. But I um, also want to say to our sister station or our mother station, Jim, tell us about what's going on, the new show, the new hours, and the new name. Tell us some about that, Jim. 
Well, last week we started Drop the Mic, featuring Mark Jones, where we are on from 6 to 7, every day of the Monday through Friday. You know, we have uh, Mark, Reggie, myself, Jack, Carl, and Gene Bolden, Derek Bolden. And we talk sports, we talk different topics. You know, we have games that we play. It's on 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation, WFDF, side of Detroit. But you can listen on Facebook Live and other and some other platforms. So uh, drop the mic. And we still have our Mark Jones and Friends Sports Talk on Wednesdays from 9 to 11. But Drop the Mic is the new show that started last week. Mm-hmm. All righty. So we know we can pick up a lot more sports, less support. And uh, we're going to continue to bring it to you this month. Uh, we want to say thank you for supporting us so far. And we're going to continue to bring some great guests. And um, we'll see you back in approximately 168 hours from now. I want to say thank you, everybody. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for listening. Again, Dr. Cliff Burton Friend, teaching the absolute very best at all of women's athletics and HBCU sports. We'll see you in 168 hours from now. Thank you so much. Thank you.